Hi everyone, and welcome to The Human Behind the Screen. And I'm your host, Shauna Mooring. The ways in which we work and scale workforces are changing. No longer are we reliant on physical locations in order to operate as a business or a team. And this shift in building teams and companies is coming rapidly. And businesses are being forced to adapt to what they've always done for years. But what does this mean for the humans behind the screen? How do we bring back that human connection when we primarily work online? In this podcast, we'll be speaking to leaders and experts all over the world to dissect what makes businesses successful at remote working. We'll be discussing the importance of human connection, emotional intelligence, and relationships in an ever-changing virtual world. Hi everyone, it's Shona Morn here and I'm your host of today's episode, The Human Behind the Screen. When we think about the human connections we make remotely, our customers play a big role in that. So how do we actually connect with customers and with partners that we never actually meet face to face? How do we ensure that we engage and that we retain customers when we build these relationships online? I'm very excited to welcome today's guest who will be discussing all of my questions. John Stern is the VP of Client Experience at Retention Rocket, and he has over 20 years experience as a technology executive and an entrepreneur with a knack for growing relationships and revenue. John, welcome to the show. Well, thanks a lot for having me, Sean. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So, John, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what were the pivotal points that led you to where you are today? Sure. Well, uh, personally, I grew up in Michigan and always wanted to live somewhere warm. So as soon as I graduated college, I ended up in San Diego, despite having never been there because I heard it had the best weather in the country. So that's basically what got me out to San Diego. On top of that, I always grew up working in technology. My father had an IT consulting company, so I worked for him kind of as a quote-unquote IT guy for many years and then started my own IT consulting company when I got out to California. From there, I jumped to a few different technology startups You know, where I got into more sales and operations leadership roles but always had some sort of technology component to it. And um, about a year and a half ago, one of my good friends co-founded Retention Rocket with a really talented team. And I was excited about the team that he had joined up with. And I kind of wanted to get on board because I wanted to see what they were going to do. And uh, that kind of got me uh, where I am today, working for Retention Rocket here in San Diego. And we provide a solution that started for e-commerce, but now it works for all sorts of businesses where we help customers engage and retain their customers through multiple channels, but most significantly, it's been text. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's pretty much where it is today. And uh, and in doing that, most of our customers I, I've never even met in person, kind of to your point. I think only two or three out of our hundreds of customers I've ever spent any time with physically. And that was new to me. So it was a completely new industry that I got into with Retention Rocket and kind of a new situation where I wasn't able to physically see or be with any of the people that I was providing services to or working with. It's really, it's a really interesting concept. And I'm guessing that kind of naturally happened because a lot of your clients are based all over the world. It's just not possible to, to meet them in person. Yeah, absolutely. And I had actually started at Retention Rocket a few months after they had kicked off. I, I had begun as a consultant, just kind of meet the team and see, you know, if I shared the vision and all that type of stuff. So they had some customers before I even joined. And 
I had been talking to them online, either on Zoom or, you know, text or something like that. And it turned out a few of them were in San Diego, where I was also, but still hadn't met them. So on top of that, most of our customers now are outside of San Diego. So it would be hard to see all of them at the volume of work that we're doing. But that definitely was interesting to me to not be able to, you know, go shake hands or have a lunch or something like that. Mm, how was how did you adjust to that? Because you, you didn't have that experience before, right? So this was, you know, upon joining Retention Rocket, it was very new. This this whole online customer relationship building. So how did you adjust to that, John? Yeah, it was um, actually a pretty natural adjustment. I think that a lot of stuff that you can do offline, you can do online now with some of the tools available. Most, almost every customer interaction, I tried to do a kickoff call over Zoom. So you can get that, you know, face-to-face video interaction. Um, and that allowed us to, to really build a little bit better connection than you could just over the phone or over email or text or something. So I always tried to encourage customers to join me on a Zoom so we could see each other, you know, maybe share a laugh and and uh, just kind of take some of the stuff that you can do offline, online now, because the tools are so much better. Years ago, like when I was an IT consultant, it was really hard. You'd always do these remote things and you try and take control of someone else's computer and it never worked or like, you know, you couldn't really talk or see each other. But with technology, you know, the advances made in the past few years, it is really good, easy to build a relationship like that. I mean, to take it a step further, when I met my wife, I was living in San Diego and she was living in Brazil. And uh, she actually was in San Diego for a few weeks and then she went back to Brazil and we kept in touch over FaceTime for maybe four or five months until I was able to go down to Brazil and visit her. So like, you know, I understand the importance of being able to talk and see someone online. I probably wouldn't even be married if it weren't for the technology because we would have been sending letters. It would have taken years. Instead, you know, it took months for us to to get together and, and move in the same country and stuff like that. So I understand that uh, you can make some pretty good relationships over over the computer and a pretty deep connection if that's what you're looking to do. Absolutely. It sounds like you've, you know, diverse experience in that for sure. And do you think that, you know, from a client's perspective, you have to do a little bit of educating uh, your clients around around that and, and setting the expectations around how you guys manage relationships? Because not every customer understands that either, right? So what are kind of your best practices there, John? That's a great question. And it's difficult because, you know, setting the expectations in any relationship is really important. If one side is expecting something that the other side isn't, no one's going to be happy, really. So, you know, there's nothing more important than setting the expectations and kind of the boundaries. Because when you're ultra available, as I try and be for my customers, there's like good and bad for that, you know, like they can reach me anytime if they have an emergency, but also, you know, like I was at Thanksgiving last weekend and uh, my cousin walked in the door or not my cousin, my nephew, sorry. And I hadn't seen him in almost three years. And I was on a pretty good sales call at the time. And I literally dropped the call and said, Hey, I got to go. I'll call you back. And, uh, was able to greet my nephew and all that type of stuff, which, you know, there's good and bad about always being available and being remote, but basically my customers understand like they're going to be able to get a hold of me in a pinch. Also, if I have something else going on in my life, I'm going to get back to them as soon as possible. And really it's just, uh, you kind of set those expectations by doing the work and like showing them, Hey, you know, maybe John's not going to be here in our office, but he's always going to be there for us if we need him to be. And, uh, you know, I, I always mix my personal life in with my business because I work so often, it's hard to really be, you know, a family person and give the level of work that you need to do. So some of my customers have to put up with, you know, my kids running in on a, on a Zoom or something like that. But 
typically it pays off in the end because they can get, you know, they can get me on the same phone that my family calls me on and stuff like that. So there's good and bads of it. But as long as like people know that, you know, John's working from home and he's going to be available to us, but like sometimes his life might, you know, be a part of it also. And I try and be as real as possible online. So I'm not trying to hide that I'm working from home or get all dressed up in a Zoom if I'm not going to be doing that for an office or something like that. But I think that you can really, if, if the customer knows what's going on with your life and you really build a good connection, that you can end up having a very strong bond over tools online without ever meeting in person. Absolutely. I love that. And I think you seem to have a very authentic way about you with your customers online. And as you say, you know, it's, it's about a genuine relationship and understanding that I do work from home and, and these are the things that are associated with that. But likewise, I'm sure some of your customers have those experiences as well. So you have that kind of common bond and um, that connects you guys together. And what, what about new customers then, John? And I'm interested to hear, you know, how do you build that trust? online because that's something you know that a lot of leaders of of remote teams and a lot of relationship um people that are working with clients struggle with is is building that trust online have you any have you any tips there yeah that's a great question i think it's hard to build trust online and in person you know and and really the way that i build trust is kind of trying to just do what i say i'm going to do so whether that's in person or online, you know, I get back to people quickly. I try and provide the real answers. And, you know, if I don't have the answers, I'll tell them, I'll, I'll find out and get back to them. One kind of really nice trick that I like to do, and I don't know if it's necessarily a trick, but with the rise of delivery services these days, it's so easy to like have a Zoom meeting with someone and order them like a pizza or a case of beer or something like that. And then you end up kind of, we get a meal on our end, they have food on their end, and we're kind of like sharing a meal together, which you can do, you know, in person. And if you bring that online, it's really develops a bond that uh, most of the people haven't seen when we do that. Most have said, you know, oh, no one's ever ordered us a meal before or something like that. And it really helps to, I think, break bread with people and, you know, share a laugh or share a drink or a meal or whatever it might be. And that really helps build a relationship. It was kind of interesting earlier this year, I sold um, one of the bigger deals that we've been working on strictly over text. I had never you know, met them in person, never even seen them on Zoom, anything like that. And we did the entire deal over text and they said they loved it because they had a written record of everything. They could share it with anyone else within the company. And it turned out their office was less than 10 blocks from ours. And you know, they said, hey, do you want to meet in person? I said, let's meet in person when we have you know, to exchange the signed paperwork. So it was really wow. interesting to, to land a big deal like that just over text message. And it took, I think, about 45 days of texting every day multiple times to come to an agreement. But really, it was just, you know, always replying with, you know, a real answer, not trying to bullshit them and finding out the information if I didn't have it. So like kind of just doing what you say you're going to do is what builds trust in my eyes. You know, if you can count on someone to produce what they say they're going to do and, and really mean what they say, then it, I think it's pretty easy to, to build the same type of trust that you can in person. I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, the fact that that uh, client was really only a couple of blocks away from your office and the fact that you had, you know, completed that deal online really shows how well you can communicate and build relationships even through written text, which I think a lot of people do struggle with. And I love the way that you guys have readapted, redefined, I guess, how you build relationships, because obviously in building relationships, you know, that social interaction is 
hugely important, you know, going for a drink, going out for meals, going for lunch. And you guys have really redefined that for remote environments. And I think that's something that a lot of people really do need to hear when we're working in this new virtual environment, that you can be just as effective in what you're trying to accomplish if you think about it in new ways because a lot of people you know mightn't think of it that way or might not think that that's possible but it's great to hear that it's it's worked for you guys john i'm interested you know obviously it, it sounds like a lot of these skills come naturally to you that you know from your experiences that you have learned a lot around building relationships building relationships online and the way that you communicate and present yourself but what do you think about these certain skill sets? I mean, is there a specific personality type that enables people to be impactful online? Or do you believe that it's something that can be developed over time? I think people can definitely develop you know, skills to be effective online over time. I think it would be hard, you'd be hard pressed to find someone that has good communication skills and social skills offline and not be able to translate that to online maybe someone that just like strictly uh, relies on their looks or something like that and uh and you lose that element when you go online or something but really most people that if you can do something offline you should be able to do it online and i think the biggest thing for people they aren't working online to be able to you know kind of learn those skills but just to be be comfortable being themselves you don't have to put on an act, you know, if you're working from home and pretending like you're at a business off, a busy office or something like that. And really, if you kind of just let your guard down and let people in on who you really are, then I think that that comes across online the same way that it can in person. So that that's kind of one of the biggest constraints I think that people might have is that they feel like they're, they have to do this some sort of persona online or or use a different voice or, you know, like this is my telephone voice or whatever it might be. But really, I think if people are just themselves, that'll come across and that's what people get attached to, you know, genuine people. So if you can feel, if people are feeling like you are being your natural self with them, I think that translates really well. And really that's something hard for people to do offline too sometimes. So it's really just working on your, I think yourself as a person and your communication skills. And if you have good communication skills, everything translates online now really easily. Mm -hmm. I thought uh, it was really interesting. Like, uh, you know, Zoom just IPO'd recently and the founder had only made like six business trips in his entire time starting the company. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, sh shows the power of, you know, an online business and persona if you don't even need to go anywhere to get your company to the level that Zoom did. Yeah. So it's kind of set a new standard. Like the tools are so much better now with Zoom and Slack and things like that to be able to communicate. So if you just have to work on your communication skills in general and all of that translates online really easily with the tools available now. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you, John, really. So tell us a little bit about the team at Retention Rocket, because you had an office, but then you guys have naturally kind of gravitated towards a remote team. What were the reasons for that? Yeah, it's actually, we still have an office, but we almost never go there. It's kind of ironic I'm going there today. But the main reason for me personally is I have two young kids. I have a four and a half year old and a one and a half year old. And the times that we were trying to meet in the office, um, I ended up hitting like some rush hour traffic here in San Diego. So it would take me sometimes an hour to get there, an hour to get home. And I would miss out on like driving my daughter to school and things like that, which I really enjoy doing. So it, it kind of, I was always trying to miss rush hour and, and be weird offices in the hour, uh, weird hours in the office. Mm -hmm. And then I would go out to lunch when in the office. So a lot of times I felt like it was about three hours per day that I was spending 
you know, either in the car or not working because I was at lunch or something that I get to add to my workday if I stayed at home. And I could be there for my family a lot more if I was at home and able to like take part in some of these events for my kids that I want to do. And, I, and I'm not worried about how much I work because I work at night all the time and things like that. So I didn't feel like people would worry, oh, you know, John's not working hard because he's working remotely. Mm-hmm. And it just allows me to kind of weave my work life into my real life or my family life and be able to do better at both of them because of that. Mm-hmm. When I go to the office, you know, sometimes if I left after rush hour, I wouldn't get back until it was already like, you know, dinner time or past dinner time and only see my kids for like 10 minutes or whatever. It wasn't really worth it for me. So we still go to the office if we have like an important meeting or like, you know, a client in town or something like that. But it really just gives us the flexibility to do what we want to do when we want to do it and be most effective. And you kind of nailed it before with the trust aspect. If you have professionals that you trust, like you know, who cares if they're in the office or if they're at home or if they're in Hawaii or wherever they may be, as long as they get the job done the way that, you know, it should be done. So I think that we all have kind of a a mature attitude about that. And you just hire people that you know, you're going to, that you can trust and that are going to work well. And then it really doesn't matter where they do it. And it allows everyone to enjoy their life a little bit more. You can get a bigger pool of talent because you, you know, you can, you can fish from a pond anywhere. You can, you know, get international people, which helps with culture and things like that. So there's a, there's a lot of different options and flexibility that it gives you. Sometimes people still like to get away and go to the office just to have some quiet time or whatever. Or maybe it's better for, you know, a Zoom or a, a webinar or whatever it might be. But it just gives you the option to go to the office if you want to or stay at home if, uh, you know, if that fits in better for your daily life. So for me, I've really enjoyed working remotely. And it may be hard even to go back to a normal office environment because of the flexibility that I've enjoyed and the ability to drive my daughter to to school every day and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people are awakening to the fact that you can have a better work-life balance. And it's so empowering to give people back that time that they would have spent commuting. And remote means different things to everyone. So, you know, I'm glad to hear that it's, it's helped you in so many ways. And also that the team adapted so well to that and that you guys have obviously created a culture where uh, there is that trust and there is that flexibility and autonomy, which is, which is really important. But I'm curious, has, was there any challenges with that as you guys transitioned from, you know, 100% office all of the time to more flexible working only office when you need it? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely challenges and we're a startup also and we're a small team. So there's always challenges that go around with a startup and having a small team. One of the bigger challenges, and it sounds like kind of silly to say, is, you know, you have to set those boundaries where, you know, you do have your family time and and things like that. Like, you know, in a startup, we're all working so hard. You could work a little bit too much and burn out and, and not give your family the time that they deserve because you're working on a big project or have a tight deadline or something like that. So really, it's a challenge to to set the real boundaries and make sure that when you're really present with your family when you're with them and that you're concentrating on your work when you're not. But that's probably the biggest one is, you know, being able to balance the family time and the work time and making sure that, you know, even though we work all the time, that our work doesn't, you know, negatively impact our family life like that. Mm, and how do you guys do that? How do you hold yourselves and each other accountable to that? It's difficult. We don't necessarily hold each other accountable for that because we don't know how it impacts each other's family life. But the real thing is, and one of my coworkers said this, is we have Slack. We're we're constantly on our Slack channel and that's asynchronous communication. So you don't need or expect an answer immediately. And we all kind of 
give each other some flexibility. No one's like blowing each other up and sending 10 messages in a row. Hey, where are you? I need this answer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're all kind of patient and understand that we, we work on different schedules and uh, that everyone's going to, you know, do everything that the best that they can. So you just kind of give people the time that they need to respond. And if it's something is an emergency, we have escalation processes and things like that. So it's just really having a good group of talented people that you can trust. And if you do that, then, you know, you can, you can give everyone that flexibility, but it's kind of hard to have a checks and balances on the other people without trust. Like if I didn't trust them, I wouldn't know that they're necessarily working, but when we're such a small team and producing so much, there's really nowhere to hide. Like if someone wasn't doing their job or wasn't holding up their end, it would be pretty obvious pretty quickly. So -hmm. you can tell like kind of on the work side of it, but it is kind of hard to tell and make sure that someone has the other side covered with the family life. Or, you know, some people might feel isolated if they're by themselves all the time and they might miss that social interaction if they're working from home or something like that. And uh, it's important, you know, to, I think, to get out of your house and maybe do some exercise or whatever it might be that makes you feel good as a person also. So it's kind of hard to check on other people and you just kind of hope that they're happy and that maybe you can tell if something's wrong, you know, through your interactions or whatever. It might say, hey, you know, why don't you get out of the house or take it easy today or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know you mentioned that you work a lot at night, and obviously you have a young family, and you also have you know so many customers that you're always available. Well, not always available, but you know you you try to be as available as possible. To how do you manage that yourself? What have what have been your best practices or key learnings over over the last couple of years? I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing, but I don't require a ton of sleep. And that's allowed me to, to take in basically a night shift after I put the family to sleep and, you know, take care of anything that I had lingering from the day. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend that for everyone, but mm-hmm. for me, I'm able to stay up pretty late and work up, work, wake up pretty early. So that allows me to, you know, take some time during the day for my family and then kind of make up for it at night by putting in, you know, a few more hours. I definitely don't want to recommend that to everyone. And I think it it does catch up with you over time. So I, you know, I, I try and be conscious of that and not like be too hard on my body and mm-hmm. things like that. But that's really the way that it is. And I just kind of set those expectations like you talked about earlier, that mm-hmm. if I'm not available right then, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. People understand that and that, you know, I've proven that with my track record working with them, that I will get back to them. So they know that they don't need to like, you know, continuously call me and that I've, that I've got their message and that I'm working on it and I'll get back to them. Even mm-hmm. if you don't know the answer, if you just tell someone, Hey, you know, I'll get this by Friday or whatever. That's always, you know, that works. As long as you communicate clearly and well, I think people are understanding and I, I've seen a nice transition. Even it's been interesting. I talked to a technology partner recently and she said that, you know, the CEO of their company has been having his kids on some of the zooms recently and she feels more comfortable now because she works remotely, having her children possibly interrupt a meeting or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think the more that people are accepting that, you know, people are real people and, and our families are important and our work is also important, but, you know, that we have real lives that we're living in sometimes, you know, they those worlds clash. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is more probably acceptable today than it was even five or 10 years ago. And I hope mm-hmm. that it, it moves that way in the future that you know, a work is just one part of a person's life. And, and if you're going to be working with someone, you have to realize, you know, that it's compartmentalized, that that's only one part of their life. And, and they have a lot of other stuff going on outside of that, too. 
Absolutely, John. That is uh, music to my ears to hear that. And it's great to, you know, see you guys embracing that as a team within your culture and obviously with your customers as well. And on a final note, John, if there's somebody out there that is trying to build more effective relationships online, either with clients or with colleagues or direct reports or their manager, what's one piece of advice that you'd give them? Yeah, I think it all comes down to be yourself. That's probably, you know, the easiest way to connect with people and people can sense when you're vulnerable or being true or, or whatever it is. And that really helps you build a relationship, you know, online or offline. And it, it'll work with your coworkers. It'll work with your customers. And it's hard to like sometimes tell jokes online. They don't might, they might not translate as well as in person and stuff like that. Uh, and I've had many jokes bomb and things like that, but it, you know, that's part of it. And if you just be yourself and you take responsibility for like things that you've done wrong and try and make it right and always just kind of do what you say you're going to do. And it, it's really easy to build this trust with people. If you continuously produce, you know, what you say you're going to do and what people are expecting. If you tell someone you're going to do a bunch of stuff and you don't end up doing it, it's really easy to lose that trust. You probably have less leeway online than you do in person. So I think it's probably easier to lose the trust than build it. So you have to be conscious of that. And I try and after, you know, having an online meeting, I think, oh, that one went great. Like, you know, what did we talk about there or do well there that we could take to the to the next one? And and when I bomb a meeting or something like that, you try and improve for your next one. You know, oh, I, maybe we shouldn't have discussed that topic on, on a first call or something like that. So just be mm -hmm. conscious of what you're saying and how you're acting with people and just make sure that you're a reliable person that produces good results and just does what you say you're going to do. And, and people gravitate towards that. And they want to work with people that they know that they can count on, whether it's online or remote. People don't really care anymore. I think as long as you do a good job and they can count on you, you know, they don't need to, to see you every day. And sometimes, you know, there's even a lot of advantages of, of not getting together and, you know, money savings or time savings or whatever it might be. So mm -hmm. just if people are genuine and be themselves and take responsibility for their actions, I think uh, it's, it's really easy to, to take relationships from offline to online. Great advice. Some great points there, John. And John, if anyone's looking to learn a little bit more about Retention Rocket or contact you directly, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. They can email me at john at retentionrocket, J-O-N at retentionrocket.com. We have a phone number on the website that I don't have pulled up right now that that would go to me also. And yeah, I'm able, I'm happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. My name is John Stern, pretty easy to find, although there's, you know, millions of John Stearns and I'm happy to help if anyone has any questions. I've been doing this for a while now and uh, I always like kind of giving back and trying to help other people. So if there's anyone that, you know, needs any mentorship or has questions about how to set up a remote team or try and, you know, implement a good culture remotely, I'm happy to help out however I can. Brilliant, John. John, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure uh, having you on and it, I've been fascinated by uh, some of your tips and, and best practices and I'm sure our audience will, will find it extremely beneficial as well. So thank you for being here and wishing you all the best. Thanks a lot, same for you. I really enjoyed uh, it as well and uh, hope to connect with you again soon. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Human Behind the Screen. I hope that you found it beneficial and had lots of key takeaways from today's conversation. Head on over to iTunes and don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast. If you do have any ideas or would like to advertise on this podcast, you can email us directly at podcast at operateremote.com. 
If you want to learn even more from this podcast and check out the key themes that came up, you can check out our blog at www.operateremote.com forward slash blog. Thanks for listening and talk soon.